The information on this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not contain or constitute and should not be interpreted as any form of medical advice or opinion. You should always seek the advice of your healthcare provider about any questions or concerns that you may have. Hello everyone, my name is Juliana Aiken. I'm the host of the Unfiltered podcast and a co-founder of Unfiltered. Today I'm interviewing Cynthia Eddings. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist specializing in narcissistic abuse recovery. She's the author of the Narcissism Recovery Journal, Prompts and Practices for Healing from Emotional Abuse, and has been featured in publications including The Zoe Report and Woman's World. This is the second part of our mini-series exploring narcissistic traits in detail. Today we are discussing narcissistic traits such as lack of self-awareness, superficial charm, tendency to project and more. We'll define each of these traits, but we won't stop there. We are going to illustrate each one using real-world examples, showing how these traits manifest in everyday behavior. This episode is designed to help you recognize and understand narcissistic traits better. Let's get started. Hi, Cynthia. Thank you for joining me today. It's have it's nice to have you in this podcast episode. Thank you for having me back. I'm thrilled to be here. Great, and I'm I'm so happy to have you here back because we are about to continue kind of our list of signs of narcissists, and we have been. Uh, well, we have had a huge list of different signs and you have already provided very helpful examples and how these kind of traits and signs can manifest um, in, in, in real life. So we have given very helpful practical examples. So I want to get started with, with uh, more of these traits and signs that we can look out for when trying to figure out if we are dealing with the narcissist and just trying to protect ourselves. So we have here intense mood swings. So Cynthia, can you give us, you know, practical example of how like intense mood swings show up in a narcissistic uh, person's behavior? Yeah, these are pretty evident when you're in a relationship with a narcissist. Um, they don't tolerate disappointment very well or frustration in any form. So um, part of why they have these intense mood swings, which can look like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, you know, they'll show up as loud screaming, um, throwing insults or even physically throwing objects and uh, physical violence, slamming doors, storming away without others knowing when to expect them to return. So, these come out of um, an inability to be able to identify and know their own interpersonal states. So you can think of, of like how a two-year-old throws a temper tantrum when they don't get what they want. It's like it's the end of the world for them and it takes them a long time to calm down um, because in, a, in an adult narcissist, um, when something triggers their fragile ego, they go from, you know, where they feel to you like a pretty stable person to red heart, hot, dangerous, mad, raging, um, you know, their nervous system is out of control and it puts you in a state of fear where you can't think straight. 
and their anger can be projected in any direction. You know, it can be directed at an employee, a partner, their sibling, a child, a friend, a neighbor. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, and then after it's over, they can be calm and normal. And to them, it's like nothing has happened. And what's wrong with you that you are upset, scared, afraid? Um, yeah. Yeah, thank you. That's a very good example. Uh, next up, we have lack of self-awareness. So Cynthia, can you talk a little bit more about this and so we can better understand how it's even a sign of narcissist. Yeah. So when I was talking about the intense mood swings, um, I, I brought up that a narcissist can't, doesn't have a sense of their own internal feelings or their own internal boundaries. And so they lash out. So it's, it kind of feeds into this trait of lack of self-awareness they don't recognize when they're violating others' boundaries. So it's, um, they, they can't read the cues on another's face to know what the other people, what the other person is, how they're responding to them. So um, this is a weird thing. Um, and it took me a while to, to understand this about narcissists is that they see others that are in their primary orbit as an extension of themselves. So it's like as, a, as an infant is merged with the mother, um, there, there isn't a sense of a difference between the, the infant and the mother in the infant's world. And if a caregiver or a parent doesn't help the separation of the two selves when the child hits that stage of the terrible twos where they start feeling their own sense of power and independence. If the parent can't shepherd and help the child understand that, that, they're a separate being by setting good boundaries and a parent being consistent and offering safety and security at the same time, helping the child realize that they're different. Then it sets a person to grow up into adulthood as feeling like, like other people are extensions of them. And so this shows up um, in a very weird thing in that you might notice if your partner is a narcissist and that you have an intense feeling, maybe you're extremely sad, you're crying, the narcissist can't tolerate your feeling bad because they haven't, they, they feel it as if they're feeling bad, but they can't tolerate, they don't know what to do with it. And so they will completely disregard your feelings and walk away from you as if um, it doesn't mean anything to you. Like mm. it's, what's the big deal? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I have one question. Uh, I was thinking, like, I feel like where this lack of self-awareness often comes up when hearing people's 
you know, experiences and when they are, you know, talking about their experiences with people who have narcissistic traits, especially when the narcissist takes kind of the victim role and always thinks that they are the victim, even though they are the, they could be the very source of the problem and causing the problem in the relationship or in the situation, but they just, they are just in this, like, in the victim, you know, kind of role all the time and that their self-awareness is kind of, I am the victim. Like they are like, like honestly believing that. And it's like their inability to see the situation in any other way. Is that also, does that fall under lack of self-awareness? Yeah. Narcissists are good at that, uh, of playing the victim. So you know, again, it's like that inability to really go inside and decipher what's happening. Um, they immediately go to blaming somebody else from the outside rather than being able to take responsibility, which we've talked about in some of the previous questions, take responsibility for their part in it. They just see themselves as, as being the victim in the situation. Mm, yeah, makes sense. Thank you. Um, then can you talk more about uh, superficial charm? Like how does that manifest in their behavior so we can better kind of spot it as well? Yeah, well, this is kind of an easy one to spot because for a narcissist, they are so important for them to appear a certain way. So it's everything is a show for them. Um, you know, often it's in they have to have luxury goods or, or big brand names, designer goods, expensive cars, lots of cosmetic procedures. You know, I live in the LA area and there's, you just see a lot of, 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 you know, stuff that people do to their bodies and their faces to make themselves look a certain way. They'll take outlandish vacations. It's really important that how their bodies look. Um, and that, you know, any accomplishments that they have are visual so that you can see it. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, it's like, it, it's important. The zip code they live in is also in, an important thing. I mean, that's a visual sense of like superficiality that makes them feel important. Um, What's interesting about this is that, you know, it's superficial because they can turn on the charm when they have an audience, but once you have them behind closed doors, the charm goes away and then you see the real person, kind of the stripped down person. This is why, um, and when I work with, with people that are healing from narcissistic relationships and they're starting to dip their toe in the water of the dating life again. Um, it's really important to understand that it takes about two years before you really can see the real person. It takes about two years too for somebody to be able to really know and see you because we all put on a facade um, when we're getting to know other people, we want to be liked and we want to be seen as a certain way. And so it takes kind of a bit of energy to do that. And once 
you know, about at the year and a half, two year mark, the energy to continue to do that dissipates and then you can really see who you have. So I really encourage people that are considering committing to a long-term relationship with somebody to make sure that there's been enough time spent together and enough time so that you have, uh, that you really know who that you ha who you have. And it's not somebody that's just putting on a facade and a superficial charm. Mm, yeah, thank you. Uh, then I'm sure many of us kind of know, know this if they have been dealing with the person who has narcissistic traits. We have here a tendency to project. So Cynthia, can you talk more about this and give examples how this manifests? Sure. Um, you know, projection too is something that I think is important to really identify what it is. Since narcissists don't feel good about themselves, um, they need to make you feel not good about yourself. So they're trying to make you feel how they feel. So they project something that they're uncomfortable with in themselves or something that they're feeling onto you. So it's, it's a way, it's a defense mechanism. Um, it's a way to sabotage and destroy their victim. So it, it's a protective, as I called it, a defense mechanism. And it's another way to protect their fragile and insecure ego from the unacceptable shame that they're feeling themselves. So it's basically they're psychologically throwing up and there's nothing they can do to hold it back or nothing you can do to hold it back. The projection is unconscious. They can't take ownership of their feelings. So it gets broadcast, it gets projected outward onto you. And if you try to explain yourself or defend yourself in their projection, you get a lot of, this is where the word salad back and forth conversation that starts making no sense to you. It can be similar to gaslighting, but gaslighting has the added component of them saying something to make you doubt your reality. Like, you know, what you remember is wrong or that's not what happened or that I never said that. Um, so when, when projection and gaslighting are done often enough, you start to doubt your own sanity. This is where, you know, I hear clients saying, I don't know who I am anymore. I'm just, my head is all foggy. I feel confused. Um, I feel so insecure. I don't know what happened to my self-esteem. I, I can't stand up for myself. Um, so here's a, here's a, uh, you know, a very concrete example of projection. Uh, a narcissist might say, you're so jealous when you're not feeling jealous. And I want you to think of this as a little bit of a gift they're giving you. They're actually telling you what they're feeling. So this is a projection. You're so jealous. They're feeling jealous. They can't deal with it or don't know how to deal with it. So they turn it on to you. Um, and so you're getting an indication of of what it is they're accusing you of is actually what's happening inside of them. 
So if they accuse you of cheating, they're giving you a little window into the possibility of what's going on with you. Um, so when you understand it, it gives you the opportunity to take the high road and you can do like an internal sigh and have some pity that the narcissist is so fragile that, that they have to project. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, then preoccupation with appearances. So Cynthia, can you talk more about this one and how does it manifest so we can better understand why it's a sign of a person who has narcissistic traits? Yeah, again, this is another one that is easy to see. Um, it's another, you know, superficial external thing. And the word vanity here comes up. Um, you know, they'll put a lot of money into their appearance, into makeup, um, high fashion. They'll spend money on a lot of skincare products to make them look a certain way. Um, they'll spend a lot of time in the gym um, to, to, so that they look the way they think they're supposed to look. So um, narcissist craves validation. So it's the, you know, the image that they're putting out into the public that's so important to them. You'll see, you know, designer clothing and watches and uh, you'll even see like attention seeking clothes, clothing that may be inappropriate clothing that, that makes people look at them, um, even though it might be kind of vulgar, um, just as long as they're getting that attention, that's what they're there. It's important to them. It might be their home, um, you know, the neighborhood that it's in or how it appears. It needs to to be a certain way or be completely perfect from the outside. Um, I had a, an experience once with somebody, I was going into an office to meet somebody actually for a potential job interview. And they greeted me at the door to the office. It was after hours. So the rest of the, nobody else was there. And the door opened and this man was there and he said hello, but before making eye contact, or there really wasn't any eye contact, he leaned over and reached under one of the desks of, of one of the workers because there was some trash in it. And he literally took the trash and put it somewhere out of sight and then re-put the liner of the trash while I stood there waiting. Because in his mind, I think he saw that out of the corner of his eye when he went to greet me and he, he wanted the office to look perfect. And I looked around and everything was in perfect order. And so that became more important to him than, than me actually is like how the office looked. It was his office. Mm, yeah. Great example. Like he kind of mm, sacrificed the opportunity to have a connection with you and, you know, instead went for the trash can to put it away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think, you know, it's also really important to um, understand that this attribute of narcissism makes it very difficult to have intimacy in the relationship. Um, it, it makes it hard to go deep. 
because anything that has to do with feelings or meaning for meaningful goals in the relationship get dismissed for the external superficial things. And um, it's good to know this when you're dating because it's really easy to get lost in, you know, if, if you're dating somebody who this external world is so important, you, it, you, it's fun. You get lost in it. It's exciting. There might be, you know, nice clothing and jewelry that's offered and given as gifts. And, but the reality is that the relationship is more about how things look than what's happening in the process of building intimacy and connection in the relationship. So it also might show up um, when, you know, an older narcissistic person marries somebody who's younger and more attractive than what they might. Well, it's important to them to have like somebody on their arm that garners attention to them. Um, and um, you'll also see this when a person it has the inability to show up in the world just being authentic and real. Like I'm thinking of some women that I know that can't be seen without their hair and makeup done out in public or even stepping out of the house because they might be seen in a way that um, makes them seem other than, you know, the, the image that they want to project in the world. Mm. Yeah, that's a great example. Yeah, thank you. We next up we have disregard for rules or social norms. So can you talk more about this and give examples? Oh yeah, you know uh, this is another one that is really easy to identify, and it's kind of like mind blowing when you see it happen. Um, so the word entitlement shows up here. It, it's a belief that they deserve special treatment for no other reason that they they perceive themselves to be important. Um, like, you know, they're entitled for better treatment than a common person in their mind. So in social settings, they have a stage which they're able to be the performer. Um, you know, you, you might, it's like they have this attitude that um, everybody is lucky to be in their presence and so they perform and because they believe that everybody's enamored with them they don't see the reaction of the other people um so it's like you know shouldn't they be the first in line you know they pull up and there's a line already formed and they'll walk right past the uh, the people that are waiting to take what they believe is their rightful place in front and they don't understand or they don't even notice that what they're doing you know people's expressions are um like and they're un it's unbelievable that somebody's doing this um it might show up too like another example is you know they'll show up late to the doctor's appointment and then feel entitled to be seen immediately um like the doctor should be waiting for them um so it also shows up in in um like if they're they're somewhere they're out and things aren't going their way they'll leave um if it if things aren't up to their standards they'll pout 
for instance, like if the waiter doesn't make them the only priority, they won't tip the waiter. You know, it's like their attitude is like, how dare could somebody be so stupid not to recognize my specialness that's oozing out of, you know, my every pore. Um, another example of this would be an intrusion into a social group. Like if, you know, there's a group of people standing around at a social event, they'll barge in and um, take over with whatever is happening there as if they're offering their great wisdom and insight, you know, that nobody's asking for. And because they, they have the inability not to pick up on social cues that everybody is a bit appalled by what is happening, the intrusiveness continues on and on. I can remember as a child, my grandfather, um, what I call it now is holding court, you know, holding court the whole span of the Thanksgiving dinner. He would just start talking and telling stories that just went on and on and on. And we all just felt like we had to sit there and listen and couldn't move, couldn't laugh, couldn't, you know, tell our own story or ask a question of anybody. His, his presence dominated and allowed no room for anybody else. All right, next I'm sure many of us know this and have noticed it that uh, narcissistic people have a lot of difficulty forming and maintaining relationships. And Cynthia, I would like, I would love to hear your examples of it and your way of explaining it so we can better understand this aspect of narcissism. Yeah, I'm sure many of you have had this experience where, um, you will ask somebody that has high narcissistic traits, how are you feeling? And you get the response of, they tell you what they're doing. Or, you know, maybe they're in the car and they'll tell you where they are and the traffic is bad. And you don't get any information that you needed in order to feel connected to them. And if you push deeper for a connection um, that's informed more by feelings, they don't know what you're talking about. Like, you know, if you say, I, you know, I didn't ask you where you were. I wanted to know how you are. How was your day? They, they, they're baffled by that. Then they'll tell you um, what's, they'll ask you what's for dinner. Um, and I'm looking forward to dinner. So it leaves you feeling like something's wrong with you for wanting more. Um, if you don't understand that this is what's going on with them, they don't, they can't access feelings. They can't identify their feelings. Um, I knew somebody with high narcissistic traits that ate according to what time it was. And if you ask them if they were hungry, they would say, what time is it? Because if it was 10 o'clock in the morning, they would say, no, I'm not hungry. Um, I eat at noon. That's when I'm hungry. And so they, they don't even have a sense of their own biology. Okay, that's that's interesting. Thank you for that. Is there anything like any other examples of, of how, you know, this difficulty forming and maintaining relationships might show up? Yeah, I think, you know, it, it might show up in how you're feeling if you're in a relationship with a narcissist. Um, 
because yes, a secure functioning relationship depends on on mutual exchanges of vulnerability and being accepted for our fallibility. And since narcissists can't expose themselves and their feelings, they're unable to do this, it, it can feel like um, you're trying to get blood out of a stone, like you're trying to get something out of them that they're incapable of giving you and you can try and try and try. And eventually that's when you start getting into that uh, feeling of like, is there something wrong with me that that I can't feel a connection with this person? If you have enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review and share the episode with your friends and family. Have a wonderful rest of your day and see you in the next episode.